A dream home is a funny concept. It's easy to critique these custom houses as being imperfect, and yet each of us builds a list of must-haves in our mind that barely amount to a sensible structure ourselves. So where is the point where you leave reality and enter daydream? Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast, a show that acknowledges no one is always an expert by dispelling misconceptions with real experts. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie. My guest today is Julie Lawton. Julie has been working in the architecture and home design world for 40 years. She now runs her own company and has a whole briefcase full of job titles that encompass nearly everything you could need when building a house from the ground up. Her primary contracts are building dream homes from scratch, and she's here today to impart wisdom about the process, tips to get it done smoothly, and nightmares to avoid. Heads up about the audio quality, Julie was in between work sites and actually did the interview from her vehicle on her phone. I've tried to clean it up as much as I can, but don't come into this one expecting studio quality audio from our expert today. Let's build the houses we dream of for prices that work. Welcome to the show, Julie Lawton. Thank you very much. It's glad to be here. Happy summer. Yes, thank you. I'm enjoying the summer. How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, working, which I prefer to do, funny enough. I'm not big on uh, time off. Is that terrible? <laughs> Colton. <laughs> you know, I'd have to ask one of the psychologists on the show, but, <laughs> but instead, we'll just have you introduce who you are and what you do for the audience. Okay, well, my name is Julie Lawton, and I'm a designer who studied architecture, landscape architecture, and interior design and space planning, and certified custom kitchen design, and who became a licensed contractor. So I became a licensed contractor after, like, 20 years in the business. So now I'm 40 years in the business. So so it's kind of fun. Very nice. So what got you into the field? Well, the thing is, I started my career in architecture, and I worked for other architects and other designers in New York City for, like, the five top developers, and was doing commercial spaces and banks and lobbies. And so that was great in New York City. It was all commercial, and it was really rewarding. And then I came to California, and there was no work in the commercial for me. So I got a job in the residential market, and it was in the kind of the more towards the kitchen custom kitchen arena and it just blossomed into like all these jobs uh remodeling and um and then i became the contractor after i got into the residential remodeling it sounds like something that takes a lot of you know either education or experience or both it's kind of both because my college degree was a big bonus to have the architecture the interior design and space planning and um even the landscape architecture and the civil engineering and all that stuff but um what really does it for contracting is experience. You can't get around that. You have to be in the dirt and experience it to learn. So, yeah. So does that make you kind of extraordinarily qualified when you compare? Yeah, like- overqualified. <laughs> <laughs> it's sad because there's some people I just can't work with, and I I like to work 
I, I provide the one-stop shop. I provide the architecture, the interior design, which is not decorating. It's all good. It's floors and counters and cabinets and whatnot, you know, what's screwed and glued to the walls. But I will work with architects and other designers if they're good, you know, and, you know, at my level. I mean, experience, how's that? So I'm picky, but I will, but I don't have to because I don't need them. But if the client presents it, I would. But so far, I've managed to go 35 years without needing or having that situation. So what is the process like if I were to walk into your offices looking to build a home? So what we do is we ask you about your lot. So if you haven't bought your lot, and which is really cool, if you haven't, we can go through that process of whether I should buy it. And all that preliminary information you want to know about the soil, the soil condition, the, the local law, the state law, the federal law, anything that affects your lot and the building of it and what it's going to take to get the permit and plans approved. But it's the, we, we analyze the lot and then if, if when it's a new build. But if it's not a new build and it's a remodel, we just we look at your existing house and go through all those preliminary questions about what do you want to spend, what do you want it to look like, kind of toss around numbers, you know, and see where the client's at and in, in overall big picture. And then after we talk about that, then we go into the design process, which is a design contract, because I have two contracts, design contract and construction contract. So the design contract is where we do the architectural plans, and I hire the five engineers or how many are needed for the project. And then I do the interior design, which is all the material specifications, and I submit it to the city. And when all that's done, the contractor, me, bids it, and then the contractor, me, pulls the permit and builds it. So it's a seven-step process from start to finish, which ends on lifetime maintenance. But that's the process, and it's step-by-step-by-step-by-step-by-step. And I happen to be the one person that does the process for them. There's not another architect. There's not another designer. There's not a bunch of contractors under me. It's just me. You know, I am the contractor. So it's kind of fun because I provide this unique one-stop shop, which is supposed to be (laughs) stress-free. I say, and I, I assume there is a lot of talking clients through things that comes with this where you're like, okay, we got to come uh-huh. up with blueprints. And they're like, oh, I could draw them. And you're like, you absolutely cannot. Don't do that. That's what it is. And I had a client who fired their contractor and asked me to finish their job after he did all this demo. And he started the job with them with no plans, just some crappy cabinet plans with no information. And I really wished I wouldn't have done this. But I, they refused to pay for new plants because they said, oh, we did the design with his wife. You know, she wasn't a designer, but they hired this contractor kind of wannabe guy that's not really a contractor. And his wife helped her pick all this stuff out. So it's like there were no plans, you know, that she approved. And she, she claimed she approved everything. But, you know, 40 change orders later and three more months of work, we finally got done. So, yeah, that's what happens when you don't have plans. It's a lot more money and a lot more time. Yeah, as you say, and hopefully not a lot of people coming into you with some of the wildest floor plans you've ever seen. No, I don't get those because I, thank God, get to start from scratch. Most of the people come to me because they know my reputation of being the one-stop shop, and they actually hire me to start from scratch and design from scratch. And if they do happen to fire their architect, I go through everything, and I just start from scratch, but I I explain to them why things don't work, too, you know? 
But if I have to work with their architect, then I usually have a two or three page list of what's wrong with the plans <laughs> or why they're not complete. <laughs> like, let me show you why you made an excellent choice in picking me. Yeah, exactly. I think I like to prove my point because this business business isn't difficult, but you got to be, you know, do your due diligence. And I provide all the services, so I can't blame someone else or point the fingers. And I want the client to understand how it really works. What's the architect's role? What's the designer's role? What's the contractor's role? So they understand how I work. Cause God, they might do another one without me, and uh, who knows? But they need to know what the process, how the process actually works in real life. Yeah. So how many roles are there when you're talking like you have your architect, you have, you said engineers, contractors. There's, there's, there's 11 people that I represent. So I'm the architect. I'm the, I'm the designer, the interior designer. I'm the space planner. I'm the kitchen designer. And then I'm the, um, and then I'm the project manager of five architects, uh, five engineers. And then I'm the contractor. And then I'm the project manager for the contracting. So I'm two project managers, one under architecture and one under construction. So I actually do the project management myself, and then I have assistants. No one else runs my job but me, So, which is unusual. Most people have someone else doing it so they can go play golf or go on vacation. But remodeling is tricky, and, and I, there's nobody with that experience that I know of like myself. You know, because the client want, has to work with me anyway because I'm the designer, so I'm there. So I, I can't really, you know, it's easier if I just do that part. But I have assistance. So if, if, if you didn't hire me, you would hire, you could hire up to 11 people individually, including the pool guy and, you know, the, out, the AV guy. Because there's always specialty people plus the contractor. Of course. And at least you're like, hey, you're talking to the interior designer. I'd like to talk to the contractor. And you're like, I'm the same person. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And and I can and if I track my time all day long, I actually spend more time as the designer than I do as the contractor with the client. So it's funny, um, you know, especially at the beginning. But it's it, it's basically equal roles. But it's fun to see what who I am during the day and how much time I spend. It's funny because contracting's easy if you're organized. Yeah, you just kind of line the people up that you get to know that can do the job really well and list yes. them <laughs> yes exactly you have to work with people you know and trust that's the secret that's all it is in construction good people you know and trust interesting so how much does that process change if i've already bought a house and i want to remodel it it's uh that you can skip the first part because you've already bought it and it's on the land it's already you know under it's already been constructed so you don't have to go through all that preliminary stuff but you still want to check with the city to see what it what, what it takes to pull a permit. Like, what do you have to submit? Some cities and some states have different rules about remodeling and how many plans they want and what you can and can't do without a permit. So you got to check with your local city government, the city hall, the building department. And then other than that, the process is identical because you're still drawing plans from scratch, even though the building exists. But it makes it easier for the engineers because they're dealing with an existing structure. So it's e it's easier because the plans are what they are. But um, it's harder because we have to work with the existing structure and work around things, and then over fortify it because none of them, none of the old homes are built for the local today's code. So we have to reinforce them. So 
So it could cost more to remodel than it does to build a new home, just so you know. Yeah, that was kind of my my thought, because most people would think like, oh, I'm starting with a big patch of grass on a lot. It should be more expensive, but you have to change a lot in remodeling and also pay for, you know, ripping out all the old things. Ripping it out and reinforcing the old stuff. So even though you have a wall there, it's no good. You got to build a new wall. Because when we do remodels and do second stories, the first story of the old house doesn't hold up anything. It's all new structural going into the ground around it and um, a new pad footing. So it's all new, you know, so it's actually cheaper to build a new house. Um, than it is to remodel in most cases. <laughs> Interesting. Is there a way yep. to keep these remodels simple while you're doing them? Like ways to cut out some of the, the nightmare that can be remodeling? Oh, yeah. There's, there's people that want to do things that are ridiculously expensive where you should just tear the house down. It, it comes to a point where why aren't we just tearing this down? So there's you want to work with what you got, but make it better. And the the easiest way to make it better is to physically change the face of it, you know, new paint, new siding, and just transform the look. But once you start adding on and adding second stories, you know, sometimes it's better to build a new house. But it depends on the situation. We try to advise. Is there a way to still, like, keep the structure of a house and somehow make someone's dream home? Oh, yeah. I've done it a million times by taking, like, ripping the roof up and raising the ceiling two feet or just adding on to the back or including the backyard with the inside by putting a big patio cover on so it looks like your whole backyard is part of your living room. You know what I mean? So there's lots of ways to make your house, like, amazing. Just turn the whole back wall into a sliding glass door. I mean, and add a big patio the size of your house, the width of your house back there so you can see it. And all of a sudden, your house looks twice as big. There's lots of fun things you can do. Awesome. Do you also do outdoor landscaping and such? Oh, yeah. I do outdoor living, outdoor landscape, outdoor hardscape, the whole thing. Wow. And how many people do you find have entirely forgotten that area when they come into you? They're like, okay, so this is what we're thinking for the house. And you're like, what is around it? I just had a client who is on a budget. I know they're on a budget because um, they have a call back, but I told them what it's really going to cost to put a garage in their driveway. So they have a garage and they want to turn it into an ADU, but then they want to, so they want to turn that into ADU and then go another five feet or so and then put a new park garage. So their, so their old garage, garage becomes a room and no one thought about all the landscaping and hardscaping and steps they have to move to make that work. They just thought, oh, I'll just put the garage in the driveway. How much will that cost? I said, well, that's going to be 150000 but your landscape. Is another seventy-five to a hundred thousand because guess what? You can't use those steps anymore, and you need this to do that. You know, they, they, they didn't go that far. So when I laid out the real cost, you know, they have a call back because <laughs> it's a fact. Because they obviously didn't do their homework, and the first person they called, but they haven't. They didn't walk it through the, that far, and without the professional telling them what this is going to trigger that, and that's going to trigger that. And they're like, oh, yeah. So they get it, but I don't think they figured it in their budget. Well, I have to assume that that happens a lot, especially as it seems like prices are going up pretty frequently. The prices went up a lot during COVID, so they're already high and they're not going back down, so they're up. But the prices go up on projects because people don't take that first step and talk about 
what could it cost with an architect or with a contractor or with an engineer? Because if you don't hire me, you got to hire an architect, a structural engineer, a soils guy, and a contractor, or just get them together in the same room and talk about the cost because you need all four of those people to tell you the cost. So, and I and I have those people that that soils guy at my fingertips, and we and we can come up with the cost by having a conversation. But if you don't have those people lined up, you're going to be surprised when you start. Yeah, I imagine so. Is there any sign of that coming back down, or is this just like the new normal? It's the new normal. The prices will never come down. But what will happen is everything jumped 30% cost of living because it all had to do with the gas, basically, and the shipping and the trucking. And then food went up. But it was all related to the trucking of the gas. So even if we have a new economy and a lower gas price, the, the wages have gone up. The housing is, you know, is what it is. So it's not going to come down. The lumber's not going to come down. So it is the new normal. Oh, interesting. I think that's on a lot of people's minds now is they're seeing like, oh, this house that used to be 200000 is 400000 That's a, a very large jump. It is. And everything's going up in the housing. It's weird. And then we have a housing shortage. So that doesn't help. Very true. So are there certain designs when you get to, you know, actually designing the interior, exterior, everything else that just like never go out of style? You'll recommend them for the rest of your life? Oh, yeah. I like to do timeless because I don't like this. I don't like trendy. I can't stand unless somebody wants a certain time period they're stuck on, you know, Vincent Modern. But I do timeless classics that has a contemporary light feel because it's not, you know, you're not stuck with a certain paint color or a certain wallpaper. So I just do timeless cabinetry and timeless paint colors. So you can change your sofas, your rugs, and your pillows and all that stuff. But you don't have to change your tile you know, and your cabinet style, you know, so I like to give people a timeless look. Gotcha. Is that like a, a defined style that is labeled timeless? I would say it was, it's labeled traditional, um, a clean, clean, traditional, con- contemporary, con- traditional, because true contemporary is timeless too, but most people want a traditional, like a shaker cabinet and kind of a timeless, or ultra, ultra contemporary is timeless too, but you just have to pick something that doesn't have a bunch of trendy tile and trendy paint colors and trendy wallpaper. I can't stand that. I won't do it. <laughs> I know. I've, I've heard a lot of people audibly groan when they walk into a, a house or a building and they're like, oh, wallpaper. Great. Yeah. Oh, and it's like, and then you got to take it off. And it's like, what were they thinking? I mean, it's better just to buy a couple pillows with that fabric on it and not kill yourself but yeah well and i assume there is like just some you know longevity to things where you're like let's not purchase linoleum let's purchase tile yes oh i i'm 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 big into having a bulletproof interior a low maintenance interior for people and the linoleum's not gonna hold up the vinyl doesn't hold up i mean if you don't have that much money, wait and do it later. It's not worth installing it. I mean, I always say put in, if you really want bulletproof, why put in porcelain tile that looks like wood? Or And wood floors these days are great because they're engineered and they're, they're wire brushed. So even if you scratch it, you don't see it. It's weird. So there's, there's always options that last forever. And much easier to do things like that than to, like you said, put them in and then rip them out just to fix it. Yes. So thank you. So where do you stand? And this is an entirely personal 
question, I guess. Where do you stand on carpet? Because I know there's a lot of people that have just kind of started to steer away from carpeting entirely. I've never used carpet in my 35 years. And I think maybe, um, okay, maybe I put it in once. I don't know. I, I'm totally against it for allergies, cleanliness. To me, it's a filthy way. You ha- a filthy thing to have in your house. Just think of the oils on your feet, the dog, and the, the cat. I mean, I can't imagine. It's, I mean, I believe in rugs, hardwood, tile, porcelain. With rugs, you can wash and clean. And um, that's my thing. Because I'm, 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 I mean, I have allergies. I mean, I don't know. I just don't. I can't imagine staying ahead of it. But if you do have carpet, and you can shampoo and stay ahead of the pets. It's good for kids. But I just had this weird, creepy thing about, okay, do you get the stain off the top, the top, but it's still in the padding, and it's still in the fiber, it's still there. You're only getting it off the surface. It's like, oh, gross. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a, it's a very divisive issue somehow with a lot of people where they're like, oh, it has to have carpet. And people are like, you cannot have carpet. <laughs> oh, no, I, I'm a dead, dead against it. And people, I, I just say, seriously, I mean, it, it, you're you're collecting bacteria every year. I mean, why would you want bacteria in your, uh, you know, you're collecting it. Especially if you have pets, forget about it. Well, yeah, and I've seen a lot of videos online where people are like, oh, I'm a professional carpet cleaner. And then they show like, number one, the before and after pictures, but also just like the grime that they are removing. And people oh, are like, dirty, how is that dirty, in your dirty. carpet? <laughs> yeah, and they're rolling around on it. The kids and the babies and the dog all there. It's all mixed together. No, thank you. Uh-uh. Nope. Are there any of those trends, you know, as we've talked about, like avoiding trend things unless they're specifically, you know, very time-worn, I guess, very proven in their so, decade? You know, I would avoid, like you said, linoleum and vinyl and uh, wallpaper. I mean, that it's wallpaper has come back with the rage i am sorry i don't care how great it looks hire a full finisher and do a full finish maybe but that's also coming back a little bit i just can't do wallpaper unless you're doing a mid-century um 60s then, then that's totally different i um you know i stay away from the less expensive way to do things so i get to avoid those because we do all custom cabinets custom wood you know, I don't do anything pre-manufactured. It's all custom made. So I guess the biggest trend is, um, you know, the trend I do like is the solid stone, the style stone. Now, I like that because that creates a bulletproof uh, maintenance-free uh, countertop. That trend I like because people don't have to use marble, granite, or quartz. They can use a Caesar stone or style stone, and it looks beautiful. That I like, but um, the wallpaper is my big one, yeah. Yeah. Do you often get a lot of people who are either like first time homeowners or moving into their dream house and you have to advise them like there is a lot of lifetime maintenance that comes with your house like it's not just one and done? That is my biggest thing I harp on and to this day I know couples that call me that have never done maintenance I'm like seriously and then with my clients I tell them guess what we're coming back next year. You need to do these things. If you don't, you need to pay us to do them. It's, a, it's only a couple hundred bucks, but you need to recalk and talk about repainting and, you know, just clean these certain little areas. And I tell them what to do, but, and then I get that call five years later that things are falling apart. I'm like, I told you, you know, but we, we warn them about what needs to be done. We're very clear. Yeah. Where you're like, look, your roof 
is great right now, but it will not be great forever. Exactly. And what if the wind blows up a tile or some of the metal? And what if your gutters get full? Are you looking up there? Did you put the gutter covers on them? Because we like to give them the um, the screens because, you know, they're not going to clean their gutters. Only the people in the Midwest do that stuff. People out here don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people forget about stuff like that where they're like, oh, well, the gutters are on the side of my house. They just do a job and I leave them to do it. Yeah, they don't think about the silliest little thing. Clean your gutters and look at your caulking. And then after storms and winter weather, things dry out. Oh, my God. It's just kind of common sense, but the average Joe doesn't do it. And we, you know, and then like if you don't clean behind your refrigerator and your refrigerator, sorry, your refrigerator floods your kitchen. And then before you know it, you got a kitchen remodel you didn't want because you just had one little maintenance thing you had to do. You know, one little thing, the water lines clogged. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it just kills me. Well, and it seems like, I don't know how old those gutter screens are, but it doesn't seem like they've been around a terribly long time. Oh, no, less than 10 years. Yeah, so we're seeing a lot of, like, you know, things to resolve people's lack of maintenance. Oh, yeah. It's between that and the guy with the sticky tape for leaks and roof repairs, and that stuff you can spray on that says no more leaks. <laughs> I just wonder if that works. <laughs> Do you have any other of those that you usually recommend where you're like, hey, this is a great, like, just a quality of life improvement so you don't have to do these things? Well, I recommend for my a lot of my clients is that tile stone or Caesar stone because I know the ladies that, that some ladies can't maintain the marble because they have kids and, you know, you spill the wine, you spill the juice, which is all acid. You can't maintain marble. So I recommend the tile stone. There's no way, yeah, that they can. Gotcha. So... Have channels like HGTV helped out, or do you think hurt some of the industry things? Hurt. Big hurt. A big hurt because everybody thinks everything can be done in 30 minutes or, you know, a day or, or a month. And, you know, remodels take a year or nine months, you know, not six to nine months. So the HGT makes it work. HGTV makes it work. So they skip stuff. Yeah, of course, they skip all the things that are, are boring for TV. And, you know, they're like, oh, we just want you to get in and out in 30 minutes to an hour. Yes. Yes. I, I, they, they give us a bad rap because they make it seem a lot easier than it is. I feel like they had some really early shows that caused some of these issues where they're like, oh, we're going to do this entire remodel in seven days and you're like you yeah. forget that that was the challenge of the show the whole challenge of the show was can we do it in seven days yes it killed me and they kind of blew it you know and um and then you know just not really emphasizing the, the proper architect and just having the contract to do all the work that kills me you don't want to work that way ever you know you need to go through the proper process well I've appreciated your time immensely. Do you have any universal tips that you usually leave people with? Uh, don't do owner builder. Always hire a professional with experience. Never try to do it yourself because you want to save money because it'll always cost you more time and money. <laughs> oh, that is a good tip. Well, why don't you tell people where they can find you if they're looking to find more from you? If you want to find out more information about my seven simple steps to a five-star remodel, or a five-star new custom home, you just look on my website, julielawton.com. It's and everything's there. 
All right, great. I will put that in the show notes. Julie, thank you so much for being here. I have appreciated your time immensely. Thanks, Colton. This is fun. And thank you for um, letting me drive while I do it because I like to multitask. And so that worked out good. <laughs> I just, I uh, enable workaholics. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> we can't help ourselves. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, hopefully that audio wasn't too much for anyone. I'm going to make a conscious effort in the future to ensure each guest has true recording equipment. We are somehow already at the end of July, so here's the ranking results. Number one, the United States, with Texas, Oregon, and Virginia as top states. Number two, Canada, with Ontario maintaining that very top spot. Number three, the United Kingdom, with England up at the top. Number four, Australia, with New South Wales using those last days to firmly beat Victoria. And number five, Egypt, just barely hanging on until the end. That's it for this week. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you all back here for the next episode. Until the next episode, please do all those things that help the show, like rating, reviewing, liking, and subscribing. You can reach out with an email to dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com, or reach out to me on any of the social medias if you want to reach me personally. But most importantly, stay dumb.